As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. We click. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I'll walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for $1 a month for six months. Believe it or not, even here on August 5th, we're still pumping out great NBA content. I'm sure you guys have seen the uh, the picture of the closing lineup from the Los Angeles Lakers from Jovan Buha. Uh, you can read that entire article for $1 a month for six months. It's six bucks for six months. It's just really nothing. So you should do that today uh, with me, as always, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? <laughs> so uh, there's nothing to talk about. So this is the time of the year where you're either, you're either doing mailbags or you are making stuff up. And we decided to make some stuff up. Uh, yes, I, uh, making stuff up, thinking about first-time All-Stars. First-time All-Stars. Now... Uh, before I sent you this assignment, Andrew, if you would just if you if you could pretend before I gave you the assignment, mm-hmm. uh, how many first time All Stars would you say there are on average in any given year? Mm, two. Guys who are, who are they're, they're, for the very first time have been selected to an All Star game on average per year. What would you say? Two and a half. You know what? That's probably where I would have gone as well. I, I would have said, oh, maybe like three. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Would you believe it's six point two? Woo! It is six point two. Now, how did I find out of that information? Well, I just looked it up. But I went back the last twenty five All Star games. So this mm-hmm. is all the way back to nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, I skipped ninety nine because there was a lockout, no All Star game that year. Yep. On average, Andrew, every single year there's been six point two first time All Stars, and that was kind of surprising to me. In fact, in twenty twenty, there were ten. First time All Stars in the All Star game. Wow, and that was that that set that set the record for the last twenty five years, tied with two thousand two. The fewest 
was in 2011, there were only three. That was when Blake Griffin made it as a rookie, yeah. which we'll talk about rookies making the All-Star game. So somewhere between three and 10, but on average around six. Interestingly, the most interesting year was two. <laughs> interestingly, the most interesting year. <laughs> would you believe it? Uh, 2004. Uh-huh. There were six first-time All-Stars. They also happened to be the only time they all made an All-Star game. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Jamal McGlure? Uh, Yes, actually. Yeah, try to name them off. (laughs) I dare you. (laughs) 2004. How many could you get? (laughs) No, I could not. Jamal McGlure, Anton Jameson. No, I'm not. I can't keep going. Uh, Sam Cassell, Andre Kirilenko, Jamal McGlure, Kenyon Martin, Michael Red, and Meta World Peace. All made their only All-Star game in the same year, which was kind of interesting. Wow, wow, wow. That is interesting. Um, okay, so I, I did all this because I was I was thinking of all like there's so many good young players in the league. Who's who's going to make the jump next year? And now that I know that six guys on average make their first All Star game each year, now I'm kind of excited. I'm like, who could it be? In fact, last year there were seven. So I mean, who knows how many there could be this year? Now uh, to help me decide who I was going to select, you know, who who, who do I think is going to be a first time All Star next season? I wanted to break it down by who is most likely to be selected based on how long they've been in the NBA. So, for instance, in the last 25 years, there have only been three rookies ever selected to an All-Star game. Now, this one you might actually know. I already gave you one of them. Do you remember the other two? Mm, Did John Wall make it? Uh, No, he did not. It was uh, Tim Duncan. Yeah. Way back in 98. And then Yao Ming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Did he start over Shaq that first year? uh, Were they doing voting back then? I don't even remember. Well, I just remember there was a... uh, There was some some scuttle about that. I can't remember what year that happened, though. They should have started both of them if they didn't. As a Shaq fan, fan, I was was very appealed that he... You were miffed and peeved. I was. I was super miffed. Um, There were 17 second-year players... That averages out to about 0.65 per year. Yeah. As you go up, there's more and more. Third years, there were 23 of them. That's 0.88 per year. Mm-hmm. Fourth years, there were 31 of them. 1.19 mm-hmm. per year. Interesting, though, to me, is that I included everyone who had at least five years of NBA experience or more just under the heading of vet. 81 vets over the last 25 years, an average of three per year. So, you know, when I went into this exercise, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to be really targeting some of these second year players, third year players, the guy, right. the young guys that we're really excited about. When in reality, I need to spend as equally as much time thinking about guys who have been in the league for a while. Yeah. Because those guys tend to get selected a couple of them per year, three per year. Yeah. So uh, what we are going to do, Andrew, is I sent you a list of some potential candidates And I split them up for you in terms of first year to fourth year guys, kind of like the young guys, and then the vets who are five plus years, just so that you could you could figure it out in your head, because this is not who we want to make the all-star game. This is who we actually think is going to make the all-star game. We're making Mm -hmm. our picks. These are our bets. So what me and Andrew are going to do is we're going to have a draft. We're going to each draft five players. And then when we finally do get to the all-star game, whenever that is. We'll see how many uh, we got right, which will be very fun and exciting. Now, before we get to that, a few bits more, a few, uh, one more bit of information. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go through the East All Stars and the West All Stars from last year 
And yep. I'm also going to include some guys who had made it the previous year but were injured. I want you to tell me as I go through these names, assuming health, we're assuming health, yep. which obviously some of these guys might get hurt and you'll have a substitute, but assuming health, do you consider this guy a 100% lock to make the All-Star game? Okay. Because I just want to get a general idea of where are the spots available. Is it in the mm-hmm. East or the West? Okay, so mm-hmm. here we go. Just tell me yes or no. Jared Allen. No. Right. N- nothing against Jared Allen, right? It's just like he's not an absolute lock. He's not a lock. The okay. Okay. So we get the idea. We're not saying these guys are bad, all right? <laughs> uh, Giannis. Lock him in, baby. Okay. Jimmy Butler. No. Okay. Interesting. Uh, DeMar DeRozan. No. Darius Garland. Yes. Ooh, interesting. James Harden. Yes. Fred Van Vliet. No. LaMelo Ball. Yes. Wow. Wow. Okay, I didn't see that one going. I think he's going to put up killer numbers. Killer numbers. Okay, absolute lock, Andrew says. Kevin Durant. Now, I have him in the East. Of course, he could go the West, but... Yeah, yeah, yes. He's a lock. Uh, Joel Embiid. Yes. Zach Levine. Assuming health, yes. Okay. Chris Middleton. Yes. Really? I think the Bucks are going to win. I think they're going to win like 60 games this year. So you're going to get a second All-Star if you win 60 games. But but it could be it could be Drew. It could be uh It's not gonna be Drew. It's just not. Wow. We know okay. it. We know it's not. We know it's gonna be Chris, Chris Middleton. Middleton is a lock. Okay. Jason Tatum. Lock. Trey Young. Lock. Bradley Beal. No. Kyrie. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. You so can't that- lock you can't lock Kyrie <laughs> into anything. So I'm gonna add these up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Wow, so you think there are 10 locks. You only get 12 guys mm-hmm. on the roster. So according to Andrew, uh, there are only two spots available in the East. Now let's do the West real quick. Uh, Steph Curry. Lock. Luka. Lock. Draymond. No. LeBron. Lock. Jokic. Lock. Donovan Mitchell. No. Chris Paul. No. Devin Booker. Lock. Rudy Gobert. No. John Morant. Lock. DeJounte Murray. No. Carl Anthony Towns. No. Andrew Wiggins. No. (laughs) You thought about that one. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Uh, Kawhi Leonard. Lock. Paul George. Lock. Zion. Oh, man. Lock, yeah. Anthony Davis. Oh, Lord. Assuming health, lock. Assuming health. Damian Lillard. Lock. So that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven names that you have. Wow. Only giving us one. Now, obviously, it happens every year. I mean, those names I named off at the end, those guys were injured last year. So they didn't make it. So there will be some room. I would say, in my opinion, though, those West names feel more locky. To me. Yeah, like, I like mean the Lamella one, Braun, yeah, Jokic. yeah. The Lamella one in particular, I just am locking him just because I I think that he'll put up insane numbers where it's just like okay, you got to put him on the team. But there is also a chance you get to the All Star break and the Hornets have won seventeen games or whatever, and you're like, oh man, 
Right. Like, why should we even pay attention to them? So, so I, I think we would both agree that while you can make the case that there's a similar number of locks, the locks on the West, if they're healthy, feel like a lot stronger. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I didn't okay. have to think twice about most of them. Right. Okay. So now we're going to do our draft. Now, Andrew, uh, I'll give you the option. Would you like to go first or second? This is not a snake draft, so you could potentially just get a benefit from going first. Yeah, I'll go just... first. Okay. So uh, as a reminder, this is who you think will actually make it. Like if mm-hmm. you're betting, betting odds. So who are you going to take first to be a first-time All-Star next season? Anthony Edwards. He was my number one as well. It's my number one pick. It's the easiest one. He's got the star power. Yes. He's got the personality, and he's yes. got the stats. And he averaged 21 a game last year. He was 21, 5, and 4 almost last year. He was even better in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy's mm-hmm. a star. And he just turned 21. He just turned 21. Like, that guy is going to be a multi-time all-star, and it starts this year. And he's a third-year player, so that, that feels good. And and you just look at the Wolves, and you're like, can't you just see the Wolves getting out to one like an insanely hot start? Yeah, you can. And it's just and, obvious that Edwards is the choice. Yeah, and this is why I didn't pick Gobert or Towns as a lock, because I knew I was wanting to take Edwards number mm. one. And there's a chance that the Wolves only get one guy. Like, a hot this start for the Wolves is like, they're the fifth seed you know right, that's a hot right, start right. for them it's not that they're running away with the number one seed it's it is tough to get more than one guy on your team on the all-star team especially if you're not you know the number one or number two seed in either conference and i think the west is just too tough for them to be at the top of the conference but they're going to deserve an all-star he will likely be the leading scorer and i think anthony edwards is the man Okay, so I'm interested. I have a feeling we're going to start diverging immediately. My first okay. pick, who was a late riser for me as I thought about it more, uh huh, Scotty Barnes. Okay, I'm going with Make Scotty Barnes. Now it's a risk because he's only a second year player, and and you know second year players are not the most common. But when I was thinking about it, one, I wanted to target an Eastern Conference player because okay. of what we just talked about. Two. If you look at his post All Star break, like he was already up to 17 points per game. He's like 17 and seven or something like that. Yeah. Yes, he would have to make a leap. He would definitely have to make a leap. He'd probably have to get over 20 points per game. But I look at the rest of the guys on that Toronto team, and like it's not like there's some obvious sexy name, you know? Like we like yeah. Fred Van Vliet. We think he's really good. We like Pascal right. Siakam. Scotty Barnes is sexy though, Andrew. He gets people <laughs> going, you know? And yeah. I, I, I think that if we get to the all-star break and all those guys are kind of comparable, people are going to opt to want Scotty Barnes over those other two. Now, obviously the coach is making the decision, but I just feel like there will be a more of a groundswell of support behind someone like Scotty Barnes if he makes that leap in the second year. Yeah. So that's it, it's it's a risky choice, but that's where I decided to go with my first pick. What do, what do his stats have to look like? Because he's obviously going to make an impact, a positive impact on the team, no matter what. But you know, he's he's fifteen, seven, and three and a half. Last I, year. I think if he was like twenty two, eight, and five, yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah, yeah, he was actually number three on my list. Oh, okay. Who do you got so, number two? I wonder if he was my number three. Uh, number two, Jamal Murray. Oh, interesting. He hasn't was lower down all, for me. Hasn't made an All Star team yet. His last season, only twenty. This last season that we saw him play, he was only twenty-three years old. 
Mm-hmm. I think people forget because we we've had a lot of Jamal Murray in our lives, but still, a young player, 25 years old. His his last last we saw him, he was 21 points per game, four boards, 4.8 assists. I think the Nuggets have a chance to be one of the number one or two seeds in the Western Conference when we're heading into the All-Star break. And those teams deserve more than one All-Star. And I I think that Jamal could be the guy. I think he could be over 20 points per game. It could be like a really good like comeback story. And selecting him for his first All-Star game, I think I think people would be happy about that. It would be like a great story to write. Absolutely. And and I I had him higher on my list and only moved him down because we just haven't seen him yet. And so yeah. you're you're taking a bit of a leap of faith that he's just going to come back 100%. Like I yeah. wish he had played, you know, a month at the end of the season yeah, so we could yeah, see, yeah. oh, Jamal Murray's back. Then I would be I more confident. We, but if he is healthy, like absolutely. Yeah, we had just heard about him ramping up even at the end of last season. I know. And so that that would it's either you're concerned about it or that's reason for optimism for the start of this season. Okay, so I'm so choosing that's, to be optimistic. That's your number two pick. For my second pick, I'm doing it again. I'm going with another second-year player. I'm going okay. with Evan Mobley for the Cleveland okay, Cavaliers. Yeah, yeah. That's the pitch here on my list. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pitch here is that like the Cavs were so good before they started getting all their injuries. So I'm kind of baking in that they're going to get off to a good start again. They've got everyone yeah. coming back. They're still super young. There's still a lot of room for internal growth. Now, Mobley needs to take some kind of leap, I think especially offensively, to really get people excited to take him over someone like his teammate Jared Allen. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's a huge bar for him to climb, like in terms of public perception. People are yeah. so excited about Evan Mobley. And so right. if he comes back, and he's just scoring like in the mid to high teens, you know, if he's like 15, Mm -hmm. 16 a night, great defense. I think he's going to be an easy pick because I think that Cleveland could potentially be in that top four or five when we start talking about uh, the all-star. And who knows, like people might think of Mobley as like the number one choice on that team by that Mm -hmm. point. I still think it was going to be Garland, but they could, I think they'll definitely be deserving again of two guys, at least two guys. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, I'm going to go with Kate Cunningham. With my third pick. Woo! Okay. Another second-year guy. I think that he had an outstanding end of last season. He's Remember, he started the year with an ankle sprain. That I, he wasn't as good out the gate. And people, even Thunder fans we saw here locally, were like, oh, look at our guy. Our guy's a lot better than yours. And then he just slowly passed by Josh Giddy throughout the season. And I think Cade is ready to take over. I think he's going to be really, really good. I don't know how good the Pistons will be, but I think he's going to put up monster numbers. I think having a lob threat next to him is going to help a lot. I think that I think he's going to be insane this year. And there's a there's a reason he was the number one pick in that draft. We've already taken two guys from that draft. I know, uh, and I think that he is going to prove that being taken number one was the was the right choice by the Pistons. So I'm going to go. Kate Cunningham. Yeah, historically, or at least the last 25 years, the most amount of second-year players ever selected to their first All-Star game has only been two, and we've already yeah. taken three. It's a special draft class, man. It is special. Uh, okay, for my next pick, and the reason why I had Kate a little bit lower is because of what you said about the team's success. I just don't know if they're going to yeah. be good enough if people are going to put that against him. For sure. So I'm going with Tyrese Maxey okay. as my next pick. <laughs> yeah. Do you, 
Do you know what Tyrese Maxey shot from the field after the All-Star break? Oh, gosh. It was probably something ridiculous, like 53% or something. Um, well, I wish I had it up on my screen before I said it. Okay, here it is. Uh, Post-All-Star break, 52% from the field, 48% from three, 85% from the line. He was already averaging almost 19 points a game. Yeah. I think the Sixers are going to be really good. I think Maxi is going to be a big part of that. This kind of, for this to happen, because you you mentioned that you think James Harden would be a lock, assuming health. Yeah. That means that they would have to be so good that people would feel good about choosing three, three Sixers. Yeah, or so, he's over Harden, which... Right, which is possible. Yeah, it's possible. So... I just like him because he is a third-year player. I'm finally getting away from the second, first and second-year players. Yeah, um, He is in the East, and so I felt like I have a little bit more room there. And so that's why I went Maxi over who I bet you're going to take next for your fourth pick. My fourth pick, I'm going to take Jalen Brunson. Oh, wow. Was that who you thought I was going to take? No, no, not at all. <laughs> I just think playing in a big market like New York, you get a bump just because you're in New York, and I think sure. he's going to be their best player, and he's going to average a lot of points and a, enough assists and enough rebounds that you're going to be like, wow, look at Jalen Brunson. Like This contract is justifiable. This is great. The Knicks are hovering around 500, which is like a, a success story in itself because like the, the threshold for them to clear as far as team success is different than every other team. Like If they're just hanging around right. like the eighth seed, People are like, wow, look at the Knicks. They're finally doing it. This is amazing. You know, where other teams, if they were doing that, it's like, man, this is a disaster. But for the Knicks, the bar is low. And the bar is low for especially point guards. They have had so many bad point guards in New York for so many years. And I think bringing in Jalen Brunson, he's going to, I think he's going to put up some monster numbers to start the year, especially if they don't get Donovan Mitchell right away. I think he's going to put up insane numbers and he'll make his first all-star team and that's the only thing that held me back because if they get donovan mitchell then you feel like well now we're kind of back in a lucas situation like is he really going to get an over donovan mitchell probably not are the knicks going to get two all-stars probably not i mean i guess it's possible but you could also throw in rj barrett as a potential there if he took a leap so I definitely considered Brunson. He was on my top 10 list, but I had him a little bit further down, which leaves mm-hmm. me the guy that I thought you would take, Andrew, <laughs> which is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, we, we, we know the pitch with Shea. The, the pitch is that they've generally played everyone at the beginning of seasons. True. And when they've played everyone, they've tended to be fine, not mm-hmm. terrible. So you know what they you, finished in defense for the whole season, including the Yurgos Kalitzakis era of the end of the season. You know what they finished in defense? Was it like 17? 17th in yeah. defense. And that's with playing with guys that no one has ever heard of. Right. I mean, that's that is pretty impressive. And there is still some risk here because Oh, there's without a doubt some risk. There's a ton of risk with Oklahoma City. But and because it's in the West. And the West, but, the West is tough, man. But I did want to acknowledge SGA because what he did when he came back from injury at the yeah. end of the season, if that player showed up at the beginning of the season, it's like obvious all-star. Like there's not yeah. even a, a debate about it. Yeah, and yeah. so I'm banking on that. And the fact that they're starting to create a roster that makes more sense. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's still slow going. Okay, it's not going to be a perfect roster yet. But I think so, having someone like Chet instead of Isaiah Roby, for instance, I think it's going to help Shea because there's going to be someone else who's going to be taking attention from the defense. And if you get someone like Jalen Williams from Santa Clara who can come in and maybe shoot oh, over 35% from three, <laughs> is that too much to ask? Whoa! To have like a little bit of spacing on this Thunder yeah. team, I think that will help SGA. So I think he's primed for a big season. There's still a risk because it is the Thunder. They, they mm-hmm. uh, tend to uh, uh, lose some games, but I'm still going with him as my fourth choice. So what is your final choice, Andrew? Are we going to give pick. an honorable mention pick, or are we going to just give these five? We're going to give five, and then you can give your honorable mention pick. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, gosh, this is this is it's getting tough already. It, it's this, getting tough, and yet there's still really good names to choose. From. There's some really good players still left, but this is this one is tough. Um. Gosh, I'm going to go with DeAndre Ayton. Okay, he was on my list. He's in my made my top twelve. I think DeAndre Ayton could be primed for a big year, and the way that Chris Paul plays, I didn't lock him in just because I I think that that Ayton could take that spot from him. I think the Suns are going to be really good again. They're going to be like high fifties, low sixties win team, and people forget the kind of numbers that Ayton can put up. He's a really talented offensive player, and he's still super young. Like he's still only 20, he just turned 24 two weeks ago. I mean, this is a really young guy. And I think as a big man in the league, it takes time to be like, to grow into your own. He's 17 and 10 last year, 63% from the field. He's a very, very good player. And I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's better for the Suns if he's just awesome and you just keep him and it's like, great, this is awesome. Or if he puts up 20 and 12 and he's like, yeah, I still don't want to be here. And so you got to trade me. But I guess I guess if that's the scenario, you get more for him in a trade. But yeah, um, it's just a weird situation. I I may have had him, if, if they just like outright signed him and there wasn't this whole weird saga, I may have had him a little bit higher just because I do believe in Aiton. And he was a guy that was the number one pick in a very, very good draft. And he puts up really good numbers. And he plays with the exact right point guard. And, you know, he's a great number two man to Booker. I I believe in Aiden. And I think that he could potentially make his first All-Star game. Okay, so that leaves me with, I just want to read off some of the names that I sent Andrew that I'm not going mm-hmm. to choose. Just to mm-hmm. give people an idea of how many good names are. Franz Wagner, Jalen Green, Desmond Bain, Tyler Hero, Jordan Poole. R.J. Barrett, Mikael Bridges, MPJ, uh, OG, De'Aaron Fox. I put Kyle Kuzma on the list. Yep, uh, yep. Lonzo, Markel Fultz, Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart. Markel Spencer Fultz. Diggs. Like you just can't. You can't re- read Kyle Kuzma's name and stop and not stop at Markel Fultz's name. I'm sorry. Hey, I considered I'll, it. I will. Uh, I will not allow you to do that. I don't think I finished uh, Spencer Dinwiddie's last name. Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Jeremy Grant, C.J. McCollum. Yeah. Listen, last time we were on here, I was talking about the Magic. I can't believe that the Magic are going to make some like big push up the standings and uh, not believe in someone. Yeah. And so I'm going with uh, Wendell Carter Jr. You one are. Of, I one thought. Of my oh, bets. I thought you would take Paolo. No, I. It's it's so rare for a rookie to get an all. It is. Appearance. Did you watch him in the pro am? 
<laughs> yeah, he's, he's pretty he good scored. in the program. He scored like 48. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm, let me read, read off our list, and then you can give your honorable mention. Uh, so my list, okay. Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, Tyrese Maxey, SGA, Wendell Carter Jr. You went Anthony Edwards, Jamal Murray, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Brunson, DeAndre Aiden. Oh, the name I didn't yep. mention that I was – this was my other option was Tyrese mm-hmm. Halliburton. And yes, the only I thought hard I, about that one. I didn't go with Halliburton was, again, the, the idea that the Pacers probably aren't going to be that good. Yeah. Will that hurt him? Yeah. That's the only reason, it, because <laughs> I think he's going to put up insane stats. Yeah, he will. I just, yeah, team success does matter on now, some level. Uh, before we started recording, Andrew said that he had an honorable mention that he wanted to tell me that was not on this long list of names that I had given him. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, who could it possibly be? As we were going through it, though, I have a name now in my head, and I can't believe you're going to do this to me if it's who I think it is. Who do you think it is? Is it Christian Wood? So I want to read you an article real quick. This was written in 2009. For the third time in three years, Zach Randolph has been traded. Two out of those three times, the team got nothing, got next to nothing in return. But that didn't matter because every time the team losing him was better off. Obviously, it was a move that opens up a spot for Blake Griffin, but getting rid of Zebo is just icing on the cake. It is really amazing to me that a guy can put up 20 and 10 and still be traded to the Grizzlies for no product for a no production clown like Quentin Richardson. <laughs> the bottom line is that teams are realizing in parentheses not the Grizzlies that Zebo is a black hole and a cancer. <sighs> now let me read to you an article written Oh gosh, this art this article has a bunch of ads on it. This article was written December 12th, 2021. In Memphis, Tennessee, Zach Randolph became the first player in Grizzlies history to have his jersey retired Saturday night. <laughs> An unbelievable turnaround. Now, listen. I am not a Christian Wood believer. I I I have long believed that he is not a winning player. However, If there's any team that I think could benefit from having Christian Wood just absolutely blow up, I think it's the Mavericks. Like who who and we're gonna talk here in just a minute to Tim Cato about this, but they need their second score. They need somebody to step up. And it's better if it's a big man, because I think that helps Luca quite a bit. And we know that Christian Wood can put up huge numbers. He really only had this is like He's really only had like three seasons where he's put up big time numbers, but the guy can really produce. And if if the if the Mavs do anything, they get every ounce of talent out of almost every player that's on the roster. Like you feel like that most of the players that are on their roster have hit their peak. I feel like like watching Jalen Brunson in the playoffs, you're like, holy smokes! Like they they got every ounce of talent that was in that guy. Dorian Finney-Smith, the same thing. Maxi Kleber, same thing. And if they can do that for Christian Wood, and they're at the top half of the Western Conference, Ugh. I think that there's a chance that that happens. I just there's there's the Zebo precedent there. His first All Star game that that he made, mm-hmm. Zach Randolph, was the year he was traded to Memphis. That was his first All Star game, mm. and he continued to put up monster numbers from that position. And so, I wonder. If there is a chance that Christian Wood 
could actually make this happen. Maybe that's insane. I feel like an insane person saying it. But when you look up and down, the East and the West, you look, a lot of times guys make all-star games based on numbers that they put up. That's just the way that it goes. And I think the Mavericks have a chance to be a team that wins a lot of games. And if they do, people are going to go to the PPG stat line and say, who is second in points per game? Mm. And to me, Mm. there is a chance that we look and we see Luka Doncic, 32 points per game. Christian Wood, 22 points per game. Wow. And the Mavs, they're they're on pace to be the the third best team in the Western Conference. I think that they're... There is a chance. Would I bet on it? No. Did I take him in my top five? No. But I, I, I can't ignore it. I've been thinking about it for two days straight. I can't stop thinking about it. I had to just put it out there into the ether. Yeah, I, I think that's actually pretty smart. I don't want to admit it because I've never been the biggest Christian Wood fan. But like, <laughs> neither if we, have I. <laughs> if, if we think that Luka Doncic is the kind of like peak Harden where you can just surround him with anyone and you're getting 50 wins no matter what. Yep. Like they're probably going to, and we, we saw what they did in the second half of last season. They were, they mm-hmm. were, I think my pick for turnaround team. Yep. If they can figure this out without Brunson, which is going to require a lot from Spencer Dinwiddie as well. Sure. But if they can figure it out and they're a top four seed and you look at, yeah, you look at the box scores and it's like Christian Wood is averaging like 23 and 11. Yeah. It's going to be hard to not put him on the team. Yeah. So put, oh, put, put, put me in there. <laughs> Team Christian Wood for next season. I cannot believe I just said that, but I just can't. I can't ignore it. I I think it would be. Uh, I I couldn't. I had to get this off my conscience almost. Mm, <laughs> Do you have an honorable mention, or is <laughs> are we ready to move uh, on? No. After that, uh, my, any any honorable mention I could give wouldn't come close to that. So. Oh, okay. We are going to talk more Mavs, more Christian Wood content coming at you right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10 minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60 minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. 
Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. With us now, we've got Tim Cato, the Dallas Mavericks beat writer for The Athletic. Tim, what's up, man? I'm doing good. How are y'all? Doing great, man. Just uh, taking a little break, you know, from all of the NBA madness. And we were talking all-stars in the first portion of our podcast, and the Mavericks for sure have won. Uh, but let's uh, let's talk about the potential of this Mavs team. They're coming off an impressive trip to the Western Conference Finals this past season. Uh, and in the offseason, they've added Christian Wood and JaVale McGee. The Mavs also lost Jalen Brunson and decided not to sign Goran Dragic. Is there any case to be made that the Mavericks got better this summer? Or will this team likely be taking a step back in the West next season? It really depends on how Christian Wood fits how well he does his first time on a winning team. There's some unpredictability just about how good he'll be, how he looks defensively on a, you know, he, we know Christian Wood has had these various attitude issues, whatever you want to say. I, I, I would like to believe that he understands the culture of the team that he's coming into. That was something that Jason Kidd really, really built last season. It was, it was one of the more impressive things about last season for the Mavericks was, you know, the, the, the way that people kind of saw that culture, you know, on a superficial level is they kept getting fined in the playoffs for just like standing up all game, uh, uh on the bench. But yep. it, there was, there was a real buy in, uh, that I could sense, you know, just being around the team, talking to them, hearing it, just seeing it on the court. Uh, I think that was a big part of the defensive improvement the team made. And so what Christian Wood looks like in that specific setting is pretty interesting to me. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of talent there. Uh, You know, he's not a one-for-one replacement for Jalen Brunson. I I guess there's an argument that he could be, you know, talent-wise kind of fill that void. Uh, There there is an argument that, that he could do that. You know, this roster doesn't feel complete. And my understanding and expectation is the front office is trying to make a trade, but they don't really have the resources to make a one-for-one trade. They're really waiting for these trades that everyone's waiting on and, and seeing if they can get in, uh, you know, buy low on a, on a point guard, mm-hmm. a, a vet, somebody to come off the bench. And if that happens, there's a chance this team could be a little bit better. I think there's a chance they could be a little bit worse. And Probably the the most likely scenario is that they're about the same. And I think in the Western Conference, with all the improvement that's happening to various teams, if if you're just as good as you were last year, you've kind of taken a step back. And so that's probably my big picture outlook with the understanding that this roster may look a little bit different by the time we get to opening day or or certainly midseason. So uh, this week on The Athletic, you released a survey that you conducted asking Mavs fans a bunch of questions about the offseason, their expectations for next season. One of the more fascinating results was on a question about Jalen Brunson. You asked Mavs fans if hypothetically Dallas could have signed Brunson to the same five-year, $130 million deal that he got with the Knicks, would they have done it? 
And the fan base was split almost perfectly 50-50. And this was interesting because you also found that Mavs fans were generally very upset about losing Brunson. How would you explain these complicated feelings of Mavs fans about Jalen Brunson? Right. It's it's interesting. You referenced that fans were upset. And, and I asked a kind of open-ended survey question uh, just about frustrations in general. I think there's a lot of different avenues that fans can be frustrated at right now. And, you know, overall, there is absolutely a sense of frustration. But I think some fans are frustrated at the extension not being offered, you know, mid-season or before the season that would have locked up Jalen at four for 55 million. There are fans frustrated that if they lost him, that there wasn't a sign and trade that at least brought something back. Or they're upset that if they had a sense that they might lose him in free agency, that they didn't go ahead and trade him at the deadline. You know, Mm. that that was kind of one of the reasons they didn't offer that midseason extension. I'm not sure he would have taken it. There is, you know, I, I, even Rick Brunson came out and said he would have taken it. I'm not sure that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, just look at him by midseason of, you know, by February of last year, he had outplayed 55 million over four years. Yep. But I, I think that there was, I, I have a belief um, that there was at least frustration stemming from that, from Jalen Brunson, that he didn't feel valued. And look, it's a lot of money. I, I I think you can argue it's a slight overpay what New York came and, and offered him and what he ultimately signed for. And I think the fans who wouldn't want him back on that hypothetical contract are just like, that's that's a little too rich for us. I think they're wrong in the sense that you have to resign him to that price just for asset asset management. You know, it's yeah. not it's it's Mark Cuban's money. It's it's not somebody else's money. Uh, I, I think that Jalen would have been movable if you look at how the salary cap is going to keep rising, probably dramatically in the coming years. That twenty-six million would have made him about the fiftieth highest-paid player in the league. That's not, you know, like twenty-six million is not what it used to be, right. and it sounds like a lot for a player like that. But I, I think it was, you know, when I look at the Mavs and their potential path to improvement. Jalen Brunson would have made a lot of sense as a player who, if they decided that he wasn't the ideal fit, and I don't think he was the perfect fit next to Luca. I just think that everybody fits next to Luca pretty well. Um, you know, that would have been a good player to trade. But even as I say that, I think Jalen Brunson might have had an understanding of that. And that may have impacted, you know, his pretty clear desire, at, you know, in the weeks leading up to free agency that, that he was set on the Knicks one way or the other. Yeah, one of the main selling points of bringing in Nico Harrison as the GM for the Mavs was his experience at Nike and how it might help reverse the Mavericks' history of free agency disappointment. In his second summer as GM, the Mavs were not able to retain their top free agent, Jalen Brunson. Uh, how much of the blame for Jalen, the Jalen Brunson saga do you put on the front office versus factors that were just out of their control? I mean, there were... I would say more of the blame goes to the old regime of the front office, which signed Brunson to a contract without options. So they weren't able to essentially make him a restricted free agent. That's why he was unrestricted because of the way they structured his contract. I think that there's, I think there's some blame that goes with the front office. Clearly, I think if they had to do it back again, they would have signed him to four for 55. At, you know, before last season even started, that was, I think, the chance that he would have absolutely accepted that, and that would have been, you know, from the team perspective, a steal of a deal. I, I don't know, 
is is the answer. Like in in regards to the past months, there there was just so many different actors involved in this process. You know, we know everything about the Knicks. They're officially being investigated for tampering at this point. Uh, you know, we know Rick Brunson. We know that Jalen Brunson's agent is Sam Rose. That's Leon's son. There's mm-hmm. just so many layers to this. And, you know, I've, I'm still trying to parse it out and I would like to, you know, report on it at some point. But I, I think that the mistakes, the, the biggest mistakes that were made were probably ones that weren't this summer. It was everything that led up to the summer and yeah. the combination of of Brunson feeling unwanted by Dallas. And he has come out and, and given some public comments basically saying, you know, there was a time, there was a long time that I always, you know, I felt that I was going to spend my entire career in Dallas. So clearly that changed. Um, so I think that's where the mistakes lay. And by the time the summer came, I think the Mavericks could have offered that hypothetical contract, basically a five-year version of what the Knicks did. I'm not sure that would have been enough at that point, even even had they offered it, which I'm not sure they did. Hmm. So you mentioned uh, earlier Christian Wood and how he'll be, kind of be an X factor for how good this team can be. Um, another obvious guy to be an X factor is Spencer Dinwiddie, who came over in that deal for Porzingis from the Wizards, played a lot better with the Mavericks. How are you thinking about his role and kind of your confidence in him taking on that larger role? We're assuming now that Jalen Brunson is out of the picture. For Spencer, yes. Yeah, for Spencer. I think that he had an interesting season for the Mavericks once he got there. It's it's small sample size. He played about, you know, even including playoffs, it was less than 50 games. I think I think about 40, to be honest. And, you know, there was a lot of, you know, just you know, feast or famine with him. He's mm-hmm. an interesting player. I, I actually like him as compared to Brunson. I, I think he's more complimentary with Luca. Brunson mm-hmm. had a lot of similarities with Luca in the way that they drove into the paint. Yeah. They're very methodical, stop, start, hesitation. They beat their players. You know, they're, they're defenders constantly. They, they could get into the lane, but it, it was something that, that took a little bit and, and, and they needed the floor spacing to be able to do that. What I liked about Spencer last season was just he he was much more um, certain and decisive in the way that he played. If if he catches the ball on the weak side, you know, in the, in the classic triple threat, he can do all three of them, and he's going to decide immediately whether he's shooting, driving with with a pretty decent first step that gets him to the rim, or whether he's making an instant swing pass. And so I, I like that, and and I think that there's. If if the shooting is real, even even if he's not going to shoot like forty two percent like he did with the Mavericks down the stretch, that is a little bit out of line with his uh, career numbers, which are low thirties. But but I think there's a decent chance he's a thirty six or thirty seven percent shooter, and I think that's a pretty damn good player uh, within this Maverick system. He's always been a better catch and shoot three pointer three point shooter mm-hmm. than, and, and those numbers have really been dragged down by both volume and inefficiency on on pull up shots. And I think playing next to Luca uh, is is gonna you know kind of focus him into those catch and shoot looks more than you know feeling like he has to create out of isolation. Now, that's only doable if they get a ball handler off the bench. Otherwise, they're only gonna be like they're gonna have to dramatically stagger those two players. Yeah. You know, a lot of the success of last season was using two ball handlers at all times. And with Brunson leaving, they're gonna have to figure out something. And that's why you know the Goran Dragic. Uh, decision not to sign him is is still a little bit weird, 
Unless logically you're like, okay, they are confident they're going to get another guard at some point. So mm-hmm. I think that's a big question. But for for Spencer, I'm I'm really intrigued, and and I think I think he's going to be good. So the Mavs did get a potential steal in the draft this year. Talking about uh, Jaden Hardy, who they took at 37 from the G League Ignite. Uh, Hardy was ranked top five as a prospect coming into the draft last year. Uh, what did you see from Hardy in summer league, and how soon do you think he can actually play for the Mavs? He looks like an athlete who can be a player at this level, and, and he kind of moves like one. Uh, he wasn't consistently beating defenders per se, but he looks like he has the the body, the feel to to grow into that, to be that player. Uh, I, I like the vision uh, that I saw. Like he would make smart passes, reads that were you know beyond the first read, the simple read. He's really inefficient, man. Like it, yeah. the shot making is going to take some time. Um, you know, he can he can get to any shot, and I think that's a good thing to grow and, and build on. Um, you know, but it's 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 not all there yet. It won't be there this season. It might not be there next season. With that said, it, I like that type of pick for the Mavericks. I, I think in the in past drafts, uh, the 2020 draft especially, which had a whole lot of drama about it, you can go read. Uh, certain stories from last summer. Uh, that was that was a massive miss for the team. You know, they they drafted Josh Green, who still has a chance to be a decent player. Um, but certainly there was other picks they could have made that that would have got them someone more impactful. Yeah. And then they had two high second round picks. Um, both those players are out of the league. Tyrell Terry and um, oh, I'm blanking on the other one. But again, he's out of the league. How can you guys even blame me for that? Right. You know, <laughs> and and so. I think previous drafts is where they really needed to build role players, win now players, players that kind of fit. Right now, they're just they just don't have assets. They they just you know, and I even hate using that terminology, but they don't have players that young players that other teams are interested in. And unless the Mavericks really dramatically retool to be a cap space team, they're probably looking at being over the cap for a while, and that trades are the path to improvement. And so taking a high upside, a high ceiling player, uh, especially one who was falling that they really liked, I like that decision for them. It's just, it's not a player who's going to help them, uh, I think, in any meaningful role, uh, probably at any point this season. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, listeners are screaming, Tyler Bay, Tyler Bay, into their uh, the <laughs> whatever podcast catcher they're using. Yes, yes. All those uh, people who just love uh, Tyler, you know, all the, all the Tyler <laughs> Bay stands, man. <laughs> Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Well, Tim, thank you so much for answering our questions, but it's now time to play Andrew versus the Beat, our weekly, now bi-weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head-to-head against an NBA beat writer this week. Of course, our guest is Tim Gato, beat writer for the Dallas Mavericks. All right, Tim, how this works. I've come up with eight questions about the Mavs. Uh, some are easy, some are hard. You're going to choose a number between one and eight. It'll correspond to a question. If you get it right, you'll get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one. So all you need to do to start us off is just give me a number between one and eight. I'm terrified because the last showing I had on this podcast was just object- <laughs> objectively miserable. Let's go with seven. Let's do question seven. Number seven. JaVale McGee is a two-time winner of the Shaq and a Fool MVP, winning one with the Wizards and once with the Nuggets. He is one of two NBA players to have won the award twice. Who is the other player? So a two-time I feel like, oh, Yeah, I feel like this is influenced a lot by player perception. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith did win the award, I believe, but was not a two-time award winner. Wow. Andrew, you have a chance to steal for one point. Oh, man. I don't know the answer to this. Nick Young? I don't know. Another great guess. Also incorrect. The correct answer was Russell Westbrook. Oh, oh. man. <laughs> All right, Andrew, Andrew, you should be embarrassed. Homerism yeah, at play. That's right. <laughs> uh, number one. Okay, question number one. When the season starts, Christian Wood will be 27 and entering his seventh season in the NBA. How many games... Has Christian Wood played in the NBA? Now, Andrew, you get to oh choose who gosh. answers first. <laughs> so you can make Tim answer first, and then you go higher or lower. Or if okay. you're feeling super confident, you can answer first. I'll let Tim go. I'm not feeling super confident. Okay, so, so Tim, the, you're going to set the, the exact bar, number. The exact number. Now, you're just trying to get closest. It's whoever's closest. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, are we playing Price is Right rules, or? Uh no, so you can you can you're just going to give us a number. Andrew will go higher or lower than your number, and then whoever is closest will get the point. I'm going to say 275. 275. Andrew, would you like to go higher than that or lower than that? As a reminder, he is 27. He is entering his seventh season in the NBA. Yeah, that's a great number because I know that he just bounced around at the beginning. Like seven sounds like a lot, but I know he didn't play much at the beginning. I'll go lower. Andrew, that is correct. Christian Wood has played 222 games. Very good guess, though, by Tim. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, by the way, I picked him as a dark horse all-star for for next year at the first part of this podcast. We were um, picking first-time all-stars, the potential. So it's it's not as crazy. I don't think that's crazy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Give me Uh, four. Question number four. Okay, here we go. Luka Doncic has played in 28 career playoff games and is averaging 32 and a half points in those games. That is second only to Michael Jordan. Which NBA player who played 71 playoff games is in third with an average of 29.7 points per game? And this is playoff games. Oh, boy. 71 games played for this hypothetical player? Yes, so MJ's one, Doncic is currently two, and this player is three. Interesting, interesting. Um, I'm feeling like I'm going to pick back a few decades. I feel like it has, has to be one of those. You know, let's give a shout to Elgin Baylor. 
so to be fair to you, I looked this up on Stathead, which is only post-merger. So I should say post-merger because Elgin Baylor was back in the 60s. So I'll give you a redo on that. It may have been. It it so the problem so it's it's that's a lot of points. That is a whole lot of points to average. And someone like I, I just don't think I, I'm I'm talking it out a little bit, but I don't think Ooh, he risky, can beat risky. someone like KD. You know, mm. I, I I think it mm. I think it has to be. Um, oh boy, Jordan Doncic. Um, I'm gonna go with honestly. It, let's it, surely it can't be Kevin though. See, this is this is this is so frustrating. This is so frustrating to me. Um. Let's go with um let's say Kevin. That's that's not right. You are correct that it is not right. Andrew, <laughs> you have a chance to steal. Have you thought of any names? So Tim had to go to the door to uh talk to his maintenance man and it gave me a lot of time to think about this. So it's a pl- a great player that didn't play a lot in the playoffs or like was eliminated early a lot in the playoffs. Mm, doing math. Um Right. What about Allen Iverson? Andrew, that is correct. It yes. was wow. Iverson. Wow. Tim gave That's him that extra good. time to do the mental math, and Andrew <laughs> yeah, figured that, it out. Yeah, it was the mental math that made it Yeah, work. honestly, I, I don't even know. Like, Kevin's played more, way more than 71 games, so Let's see. Okay, That's, Andrew, you're, you're up, and you have The maintenance the threw board. me off. <laughs> uh, number two. Question number two. JaVale McGee has 1,212 total blocks in his career, which is sixth among active players which active player is number one an active player means they are currently signed to a contract for next season deandre jordan that is incorrect Mm. tim you have a chance to steal Mm. so active player which means they are signed to a contract that is a key point and they are number one among active players in total blocks in their career I just don't know. I don't know if he's played enough, but uh, Gobert. That is incorrect. The correct answer was Serge Ibaka. Oh, wow. interesting. Milwaukee Bucks. That's fascinating. Uh, okay, we are back to Tim. Uh, eight. Tim, you were down, but you have control of the board. You chose number eight. There were 14 three-man lineups that played at least 500 minutes together for the Mavs last season. When sorting by net rating, there was only one Maverick who appeared in each of the top five three-man lineups. Who was it? Oh, see, this I definitely should know. Um, I spent a little bit of time on the NBA stats site, if you will. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, and it's not... I'm going to say... So 500 minutes, three-man units? Yes. Okay. And this I'm going to say Reggie, Reggie Bullock. Tim? That is absolutely correct for two points. <laughs> yep. And you're back in the game. Now, Andrew is up 3-2, but your lead, your lead has shrunk, Andrew. And there's three questions left. Okay, number three. Question number three. According to HispanosNBA.com, <laughs> Dallas currently has the second oldest roster in the league with an average age of 27.9 years. There is only one team older than Dallas. Who is it? Hmm. That's a good question. 
oldest team in the league? These are all good questions. According to HispanosNBA.com. Hispanos. They're the only website that has this data, and I always go there. Yeah, I've been I, I want to thank them so much for having average yeah. age data because I use it a lot. <laughs> I don't know how to thank them, but I want to thank them. Um, goodness, this is tough because I like will think about a team like, oh no, that's not it. That's definitely not it. I have um, two, and I have two that I'm thinking of. Um, hmm. I'll say the Heat. The Miami Heat. That is incorrect, Andrew. Uh, Tim, you have a chance to steal. And tie up the game. So I will say one uh, one amusing anecdote is that all of last season, Jason Kidd would love to say, we're a young team. We're a young team. <laughs> and it drove fans like bonkers because they're not <laughs> a young team. They have, they, and they're even, you know, less young now, now that Brunson has departed. Right. But they had two young players. Even, even Jalen Brunson is not young. Yeah. You know, he's like 26 now. And so it's, it's, I, and I would ask, I would ask them and I'm like, what, like, can, can we define what young means here? Like young yeah. inexperience that, that I can get on board with. Anyway, I'm going to pick the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns, a good guess, but that is also incorrect. It was the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm. They have a ton of old guys. Mm, a lot of old guys over there. Uh, okay, Tim, you didn't get that right, but. Two questions left. You're only one behind. You could move ahead with this question. Give me five. At the end of this season, Dorian Finney-Smith coined a new nickname for him and Reggie Bullock. What was the nickname? Bang Bros. That is correct. The Bang Bros. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) Pretty cool. That is a nickname. (laughs) It certainly is one. Now that has set up a dramatic oh, final question. No. Andrew, you are currently down by one. You have to get this correct okay. in order to win the week. Okay. The question is, how many lottery picks are currently on the Mavericks roster? Ooh. You just have to give me the number. Oh, boy. Okay. Mm, three? The correct answers are Luka Doncic, uh-huh. Frank Nilakina. Yeah. And no one else. There's only no! two, which means Tim wins the week. Four to three, no. a comeback win by Tim. Two. Oh, I don't know why I felt confident in saying three. I just thought maybe I'm missing one. All right, Tim, thanks so much for coming on the show. Go read Tim at The Athletic. We appreciate you coming on, man. Absolutely. I'm going to bask in the joy of this win all weekend. <laughs> Thanks again to Tim Cato for joining the show. Uh, Before we go, Al, I'm going to read some Apple Podcasts five-star reviews. Three reviews, Al. Three? Woo! JLW12323 from the United States says, I basically only subscribe for the Slam and Jam. Andrew and Alex are the best. These guys are the best. Thank you so much, JLW12323, for that review. Next one comes from... Jess Marie Smitty from the USA. Five stars. So good. This podcast is awesome because it is educational for the NBA and easy to understand. Thank you for that. This is awesome, including the host. Thank you so much. And then from Hops2345 in Canada. Highlight of Saturdays. Love listening to these guys 
and the epic opening weekly update at the beginning of the episode. Wish these podcasts were more frequent, but lots of love from Canada. Easy five stars. Thanks, Alex and Andrew. Thank you so much for leaving those reviews. Please do that if you do that in two weeks. We'll read those live on the show. Hope you guys enjoy your weekend. We'll be back again in two weeks. So come back for five days of programming. We'll have the Daily Ding on Tuesday and Thursday, and then episodes of the Athletic NBA show Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So we're still providing you with lots of NBA content. Please continue to tune in, and we will talk to you guys again in two weeks.